This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. Everything in my life over the last while has been a bit topsy-turvy. And especially in my spiritual life. Um, And so it's, it's not easy for me always moving into these spaces because I think God is changing some stuff about the way he wants to do things. And so I'm kind of treading in new spaces right now. Um, it, it probably doesn't make sense to you, but it will when I get into things. But he's been talking to me a little bit about how he wants to move forward, not only with my life, but with living faith. And I think with what he's doing in the earth right now. And I was thinking about this and he gave me an image and we had a pastor's meeting early in the week. And so I used this as a reference because I think that it's so powerful and it speaks so powerfully about what it is that God is saying and where he has us right at the moment. And so I'm going to use it as a reference. But the, the, the thing that's important for us to understand is this. Sometimes what happens in our journey with God is that there is so much that is relevant, so much that is pertinent, so much that is important, but really so much that is a distraction from him. And so let me play this for you, and then we'll talk a little bit more. J. Evans Pritchard, an introduction to poetry. How many of us have introductions to our life with God? You see, an introduction is so important. The reason that they put it right at the forefront is because it establishes something called a paradigm. It establishes something called a filter through which you view everything that is about to follow. The book of poetry only comes after the introduction. And the problem with it is, is that if the introduction leads us in a certain direction that God never intended, the problem with it is our filter for the whole book of poetry will be compromised. Rip it out. Rip it out. I don't know what your introduction to God might look like. But anything that takes us from a place that is not established in him, rip it out. We, I'm going to talk to you about me and where I am. Because it has relevance for you. Because where I go, a living face has to follow <laughs> Rip it out. We want to understand God. And we think that in our attempt to understand him and to appreciate him, and in our earnest endeavor, in, uh, 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 with, with a disposition and an attitude is, uh, that is right, we wanting to take the things of God, the things that are immeasurable, the things that are eternal, and we wanting to grasp a hold of those things, and in our attempt to grasp a hold of him and who he is and what he's all about, we wanting to lay the foundation of some stepping stones as to how we should live our Christian life. We set our foundation. Rip it out. You don't get to write the introduction. 
when you write the introduction, you miss the person. My encouragement to you today is about ripping pages out of your life. What happened to Paul? He was regarded as the most scholarly person of his day. He knew everything about what God should be. He understood everything about God. He understood how to live the Christian life. I understand he wasn't born again. I get the whole thing. Just stick with me. Don't, don't miss what I'm saying. He understood all of that stuff. He knew who he should be. He knew how he should live. He knew how he should speak. He was regarded in society and within Christian circles as being so esteemed. But something happened in his life. He took a little ride one day. He was off on a mission, doing the right thing. In pursuit of what he believed was such a noble cause. And on his journey, he met someone. He met someone. And he stopped. And he was like, oh my gosh. Because everything he knew and everything that was so clean, all the T's that were crossed and all the I's that were dotted, everything that was so comfortably compartmentalized, everything that filled his understanding, he had a look at it in the perspective of the introduction he had just had. And he was like, I've got to rip something out. Sometimes we don't appreciate what happens, what, what we're going through until we reach our destination. When you reach your destination, it gives you a perspective. And you can look back on some stuff and say, man, that was good. Man, that was bad. Man, that was interesting. Gee, I could have done that better. When he ran into Jesus, something happened. He had a retrospective. And do you know what his conclusion was? Rubbish! I've committed my life to pursuing something. And when I look at it in the context of who I've just met, what a load of rubbish. Rip it out! Because it can't take me where I need to go with him. It brought me to this place and it brought me to the end of where I am. But it got me to that place to recognize that nothing that I could contribute would do anything to take me further with him. And he started to rip
Encounters with God will change your life. I'm just going to tell you some stuff honestly now because I believe this. In looking at that, most Christians don't have encounters with God. Most Christians live comfortably. This is not about you. This is about me. Just sit and say, you deal with your issues, Gavin. Most Christians don't have encounters with God. Most Christians live with their theology and they live with their doctrine and they live with their ideas and they live with their disposition and they live with what they believe that they should be doing and how they believe that they should be doing it and they live with all of that stuff and it's cold. And tomorrow you could wake up and walk away from a theology and you'll feel nothing. But when Paul encountered Jesus, he couldn't move away. had an encounter with the God who is alive. Do you believe he's alive? If you believe he's alive, listen, listen carefully. Because if you believe he's alive, when was the last time you met him on the road? My Bible is full of accounts of people who never knew about God, who didn't try to work towards God, who didn't try to live a life for God, but people who encountered him, and from that moment on, something changed. And because something changed, they changed. And they were never the same. There is not one. There is not one in my Bible. They never had that encounter. Abraham met him. Abraham never ran out with what he thought and what he believed and what his doctrine was. He met with God and God spoke to him and God told him, back up and move. He met with him. He was prepared to rip a page out of his book. He was prepared to pull it out. It didn't matter that I was ready for my inheritance. I'm moving out from where I am. I don't know where I'm going, but do you know who I've met? You don't always meet him when you think. Even when you think you're doing right and you're doing good and you're doing so well, you don't always meet him when you think. Moses lived a big chunk of his life, found himself on the backside of the desert. Nothing consequential happened in his life until one day, He went for a walk. And while he was out, he encountered God. And when he encountered God, he had to rip some stuff out of his book. Because God said, I've got a plan for you. I've got a purpose for you. But it has nothing to do with you. Don't make excuses to me. Don't tell me what you're not capable of because you're missing the point. Rip it out. This is not about you. This is about something much bigger than you. Stick with the plot. Because when you stick with him, you'll tear it out. When you stick with him, he will invite you into something new. 
Do you know what Paul did after he encountered God? He ripped the page out of his book and he said goodbye to his history. And he went into the desert of Arabia for three years. I don't want to spend my life around people who know everything. He was tired of spending his life around educated people. He was tired of spending his life around people who knew everything and how everything should operate. Because he had encountered the person. And he said, from now on, I don't want anybody else to tell me about you. I'm separating myself. Let's go to the desert. I don't want anything else around. I don't want any distractions. I want to be with you. If you have a look at Galatians chapter 1. Verses 11 and 12. I'm going to read it out of the Passion. He says, Beloved ones, let me repeat emphatically that the gospel entrusted to me was not given to me by any man. That no one taught me this revelation. It was given to me directly by the unveiling of Jesus Christ. If you think you need to be educated in the things of God, rip it out. No man can do in your life what he can do. He's bringing us to a place of understanding, appreciating, and living from relationship with the person. In God's economy... What you think is irrelevant. Shall I tell you a more shocking truth? He actually doesn't need your thinking at all. In fact, your intellect and your understanding is more of an encumbrance to you walking into the things of God than you could possibly imagine. He is not interested in what you think and he's not interested in your ability and your capacity to intellectualize. If you want to walk into the things of God, rip it out. You have to understand today and I'm going to tell you why. That if you want to move forward in the things of God, anything that has to do with the way that you think, the way that you want to understand God, is irrelevant. Rip it out. God's not interested in what you think. He's interested in your heart. Your ability to intellectualize and to think gives you the capacity to live and to be a person who lives astutely in life. It doesn't qualify you to live in the kingdom. What qualifies you to live in the kingdom is your heart. Why? Romans 10.10 With the heart, man believes unto righteousness. Do you know what that's saying? It's saying, when it talks about righteousness, 
I heard somebody once say, it's talking about Christ-likeness. It's not talking about Christ-likeness. It's talking about Christ himself. He doesn't mince his words. What he's saying is this. I'm going to take who I am and I'm going to put it in your heart. That's what that verse means. He's not going to put it in your head. Let me ask you ladies out there. How many of you ladies believe you can conceive by believing? Ever happen? Conception takes place as a result of intimacy and a deposit that's made. You will never believe for the things of God. Because belief is of the head. And now everybody's paying attention. <laughs> it's not about your belief. It's about his faith. Oh, come on yes. We've mistaken for so long. It's about my belief. When it was about his faith. So I'm trying so hard to understand God. And I'm trying so hard to convince myself that the things of God are right. And I'm trying so hard to digest the things of God. But I'm struggling because in my mental capacity, the things of God are dealing with the impossible. And my mind can't digest that. But your heart can. In your head... The things that God has called you to are unreasonable. But your heart can marry to it. It's your heart that calls those things that be not as though they are. Not your head. It's not your belief that will get you anything from God. It is his faith in you that will get you something. Your head is irrelevant. It's when you get to the end of the journey and you look back. That suddenly you'll be able to sit and say, I know why I believe that. It's because it was established inside of me. It was after the fact. Your belief in God and anything to do with God has nothing to do with a precursor to what he puts inside of you. All of Christianity is self-evident. It's about him. It's about Christ. In 1 Corinthians 2 verse 14. It says the natural man cannot receive the things of the spirit of God. For they are foolishness to him. Neither can he know them for they are spiritually discerned. What he's saying is. I want you to rip some stuff out. Leave it behind. For you and me to walk further Ahead is about a heart connection. It's not about a head connection. That'll catch up down the way. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Why? Because you were built that way. You see, the challenge with it is we've spent our life 
many of us, in a Christian environment, understanding God. God's not interested in what you understand. God's interested in who you're becoming. What you think is irrelevant. Who you become is material. Who you become is material. That's why your heart is important because when he has your heart, he has everything. Who are we becoming? The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. He's establishing a kingdom inside of you. He's putting his kingdom in your heart and getting it established. It doesn't matter what you think. Get it out of the way. I'm past that. I'm wanting him to establish his kingdom on the inside of me. Righteousness. It's not just because I'm made pure and clean. Righteousness speaks about his very nature. It's every part of who he is. It's his life. It's his love. It's his joy. It's his patience. It's every aspect of Christ's nature. It's sitting saying, those things are going to begin to define who you are. And it's not about you, it's about him. Righteousness. I'm stepping into the fullness of who he is. Peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? And how, how do I at least get some kind of context for this stuff? Who are you becoming? going to introduce you to a revolution. It's about an abdication. It's about what authority is sitting on the throne of your life. It's about Christ ruling in you. Let me give you a practical example. You worry and you're anxious because it's sitting on the throne of your life. It's in your heart. And your head is telling you, it's okay. God is in control. And I'm trying to believe it, but it's still alive on the inside of me. And I'm trying to change my disposition. And I'm trying to change the way that I'm dealing with things. And I'm trying to change the way that I handle and I manage the stuff on the inside. Because I'm living from my head. But it doesn't change anything. Because alive on the inside of me is something sitting on the throne of my life that has nature to it. This why Christ came for a revolution because what he says is if you will come and get intimate with me what will happen is I will be the one who does the revolution in you I'm the one who will move into that space and what I will do is I will make sure that worry is abdicated from the throne and what moves into that space all of a sudden becomes the peace of God It becomes something that's alive on the inside of me. You can't generate peace from your thoughts. Try. Try. Why? Because it's of his nature, not yours. 
I got to get something from him. But when I get something from him and it comes and it begins to sit on the throne of my life, what ends up happening is the throne in that space all of a sudden moves to a place where Christ reigns in me. What happens when Christ reigns in me and the peace permeates my heart? That's when I live from a place where it's like, you know what? I can do whatever I want because I know what's happened on the inside of me. Everything out here becomes inconsequential. But until I get it from him, I have nothing. Sometimes we put the cart before the horse. We think I can believe myself into certain things. And if I just praise and shout and glory and yell and scream loud enough, something will happen. You yell and scream and you shout and you need to celebrate. But what happens is that is the fruit of when you get to that place where I've separated myself and I've spent time with him. And I'm like, Holy Spirit, I got to do something here. I need a revolution, Holy Spirit, and I can't do this. I need something of the nature of Christ on the inside to come in. With a heart, man believes unto righteousness. With a heart, man believes unto righteousness. When it comes on the inside of you, it doesn't matter what's happening around you. There is something that is established on the inside of you that is so real, that's so true, you will spend your life singing and rejoicing because it's established in you. It's not of you, it's of Him. He's sitting on the throne. thing about it is when he moves into that space my natural faculties are superseded by what's alive in me when you have the peace of God on the inside of you it supersedes everything else that's happening it's the same in the reverse whatever's sitting on the throne of your life is going to do that you have worry it'll supersede everything else that's sitting in you you can't get away from it It's there perpetually. Every time you turn around, it's there. It's living because it's on the throne of your heart. There are things that you get in the context of relationship that understanding will never give you. If you're looking for life, there's one place to get it. Life has many expressions. He is life. Come unto me that you may have life and have it abundantly. It's an invitation to heart connection. It's an invitation to relationship. It's an invitation to conception, to take the thing of life, to sit and say, I cannot generate, I cannot conceive of myself, no matter how much I believe. But when I get intimate with him, he will take and impart what is of him, life, and I'll conceive it on the inside of me. And you know what? When life is conceived, it grows. It doesn't need you to do anything to it. It grows. When I have what's of him in my heart, it grows. Because it is being true to its nature. What does this mean? Jesus' first miracle is in wedding in Cana. His mother's with him. And they're right out of wine. And she goes to Jesus. 
and she says, can you help us? You can have some deficits in life. Your first port of call should be go to him. doesn't matter how much they believed she could never have turned the water into wine she had to go to him your belief is of the head live from the heart and she goes to him and she meets with him and he says to her Get clay pots. And she gets clay pots. And he says to them, fill the clay pots. So they fill the clay pots with water. And he says, fill the clay pots all the way to the brim. So they fill the clay pots all the way to the brim. And he says, bring the clay pots over here. So they bring the clay pots over there. Everything he asked them to do, they could do. He never asked them to do the impossible because that power is reserved for him. You can get the clay pots, you can fill them up, you can put water to the brim, you can bring them here because those are all the things that you can do. But when it comes to the impossible, he is the only one who can do it. You need a word and you need a touch. As he births on the inside of us, peace. As he births in the inside of us, his love. As he births on the inside of us, different attributes of who he is. One of the things he's going to birth on the inside of you is faith. You see, faith comes with the person. We spend our lives chasing the healing when we should have been chasing the healer. If you need money, don't go chase money. Find a job. Get the source and you'll get some money. Find the source. Jesus is the healer. Don't go running around looking for healing. If I find the healer and he comes and he sits on the throne of my life and he sits in that space in my heart, I can come to a place where I sit and say, you know what? I just have this confidence on the inside of me. It's alive on the inside of me. Not because I'm trying to find healing, but because I know the healer. You don't have to be perfect in your faith. It's not about you because you can't generate it. He's giving you something of his to sit and say, take this. It'll give you the assurance. It'll give you the confidence. It is something of me that sits and says to you, I will validate my word. I will take my hand and I will touch what I've told you to do and things will happen. Faith is of him. 
It's not of us. The woman with the issue of blood. It's where she shouldn't have been. She had no right to be out in public. She could have been stoned. And Jesus is passing by. She says, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be healed. The message of the story is this. God is not looking for us to be perfect in our faith or anything we generate of ourselves. He's looking for a heart that is hungry, that recognizes, if I can just touch the author and the finisher of faith, something will happen in me. If I can just touch the hem of him that gives every good and perfect gift, something will happen to me. She moved beyond herself in the equation. And she recognized the value of divinity. And moving forward. Paul made a declaration. And what he said is, the thing that most wants to govern me, the thing that I want to influence, motivate, inspire, and drive my life, was the love of Christ that passes understanding. His love can do some stuff in me that is beyond anything that I'm able to intellectualize, compartmentalize, or put into a little sliver of philosophy. We complicate our lives, I think, too much. This is the simplicity of relationship. So my encouragement to you in moving forward is to hunger for an encounter with him. You can do all the other stuff. I I get it. and I I, want to leave you with one thing. I haven't had that. I'm going to speak about it. It's going to be my Christmas message. God is good to me. And I love the way the Holy Spirit deals with me and the way he speaks to me. And I I love all of that stuff. I, I haven't had a Damascus Road experience. Not in the way that it was so pronounced and so dramatic. 
I want that. If you want that, you've got to hunger for that. Most Christians never have it. Don't hear about terribly many religious people in the Bible. A couple special mentions for reasons. The people you hear about. Or ones who came to a place where they came into a relationship. They were changed. And it's not something that is specific and relegated to Bible days. I'm going to talk about this next week. But you look about at many of the Brannons and the Smith Wigglesworth and many of the modern day people. Should I tell you what all of them speak about? I had an encounter. I loved him. I worshipped him. I was even opposed some of them to some of what he was doing. But they came to a place where they had an encounter with him that was so dramatic. It shook them to the very core. And not one of them, not one of them got up without sitting saying, my life will never be the same. Every one of them, they had a common thing. They had a common phrase. From that moment on, I knew I had power. From that moment on, I knew I had power. We can live a comfortable Christian life, or we can change the world. This has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with him. But how hungry are you for it? It's not... I've got to be careful how I phrase this, Jesus. Don't throw pearl before swine. What he's saying is this. The greatest joy in my life is to share who I am with you. Do you want it? Some people don't. I mean, they say they do. but They say they do, but it's not consequential. It's not important. Important is it to us? Can we all please stand? If you want something more of God, why don't you just lift your hands? Close your eyes. Holy Spirit, I just want to thank you for a peculiar people. Oh, a people with a heart and an intention and a love for you. People with a hunger for more of who you are. I pray, Father, for every single person that's out here right now. Every person who has their hands raised. And I ask you, Holy Spirit, to touch their life right now. I pray in the week that lies ahead for drama. 
a shaking of who they are to the very core of their being. I pray that you use the moments that they set aside for you to touch them in a way that is so dramatic, that is so powerful, that is so spiritual, that they leave that place knowing my life, where it's been up to now, will never be the same. I want to thank you, Father, for a generation and an army that you're raising up. I want to thank you for a group of peculiar people, spiritual people, people who defy the rational and who move away from their limitations of understanding and who live from the impossible and that which can be birthed in their heart. Make them sensitive, Father, that it's not about what they understand. It's about the birthing of life inside of them. It only comes from you. every life now Holy Spirit just touch every life I pray for powerful introductions before we close if you're out there and you need prayer for something I don't know what it is it doesn't matter but if you need God to flood spaces in your life come up to the front and there'll be people here who can pray with you be people here who can lead you to the Savior in Jesus name